I will stop a few conversations and say, Zoe, you know they're not with us right now, don't you? I mean, they're not present. And it worries me just a little bit, but I'm glad she, she enjoys reading and she's found this series that she enjoys. And I was, I was really impressed by the amount of reading that it took to get through this entire series. I've told this story before, and I was in student ministry in Yuma, Arizona, and uh, my wife Sherry was in, in college. She was pursuing a degree in education at the time. She had this childhood literature class. She had to pick kids' books to read and report on in this class. And so she brought home this Harry Potter book. She said, why don't we read this? And, and it was at the time when they were first being written and published, and lots of people in the church had questions about whether or not, you know, it was a good idea for kids to read these books. And so I thought, well, people are asking me, is, is this material dangerous for their kids? So I'm going to risk it and read this book, you know. And I read the book, and, and uh, I, I don't, obviously, my youngest daughter has read all seven of the books. I don't think they're dangerous for for kids or anything like that and, and that sort of thing. But I, I, you know, Sherry kept bringing home these books and I read maybe the first two in this series and then I stopped because the first book was maybe 350 pages, whatever it was. And the second book was a little bit bigger. It was like 400 pages. And the next book was even more pages. And I just thought, who's got time for this? I can't. It, it, they were too thick for me to get through. And, and so I'm really impressed that, you know, my 12-year-old daughter, she's obviously smarter than me and all that stuff, because she read through over 4,000 pages worth of Harry Potter material to finish this series. You know, I just couldn't finish that mission. I could not complete that task. Some things are just hard for us to finish. I used to watch this television show. I don't think it's uh, on the air anymore, at least not original episodes, but I used to watch this show with my kids. We enjoyed watching it. It was called Man vs. Food, and uh, it's just a show where this guy travels around to different cities and goes to different restaurants, and at the end of the show, he always finds a restaurant that has one of those food challenges, you know, eat this million-out steak and you get your lunch for free, or, you know, eat these world's hottest chicken wings and live with the consequences and, you know, that sort of thing. And so he, he does these challenges. He came to Kansas City one year and went to different barbecue restaurants and actually stopped at a restaurant just kind of down the road from my house that has this food challenge. It's, they call it the ultimate destroyer challenge. And it's this giant sandwich with pounds and pounds of barbecued meat and hamburgers and hot dogs. It's, it's more food than certainly one person should ever consume in one sitting. That's the challenge. And I remember this episode because it's the only episode I've ever seen this guy say anything bad about the food he was eating. You know, he, he gets to the hamburger section of this sandwich. He's just like, the hamburgers are so dry. I can't keep going. He was defeated by the ultimate destroyer challenge. He just couldn't finish, probably to his benefit, that challenge on that day. Some things are just hard for us to complete. It's just hard for us to continue the mission to finish the project. I have a window sitting in my garage. It needs, it's a replacement window for a, a window that was broken in my basement. My 15-year-old son broke this window playing with a tennis ball in the basement. I know stuff happens. I have no idea what was going on exactly. I'm sure he was dreaming of playing professional baseball and realized that that dream is not coming true because the throw was er errant and it broke the window in the basement. If you can't, this is a good indicator of your talent. If you can't keep from breaking a window in the basement, probably the career in professional sports is... Anyway, 
So he, bro- he broke this window, and, and I have this window in the basement to replace it, and I just haven't gotten around to do it. And my 15-year-old son broke this window in the basement while playing with a tennis ball when he was 10 years old. All right, I'm confessing to you all today, I'm a horrible homeowner, I'm all those things, right? Home improvement projects, I just, five years with a window taped up in the basement, right? It's just, I have a hard time. It's one of those challenges that's presented to me, and I think, well, I can do that tomorrow. I have a tough time finishing that challenge laid out in front of me. When we think about the serious risk we've, we've seen, we've been studying, whether we've realized it or not, the birth of the church we, we've met those 12 disciples or 11 disciples and a crowd of others as they, as they watched uh, Jesus ascend into heaven and he left them with these marching orders that he's left for us as well, his church today, to be his witnesses in, in our Jerusalem and our Judea and our Samaria and even uh, around the world. He's left us with this one job to do. And, and then he, he sent those disciples back to Jerusalem to wait for reinforcements. And while they waited, they took that initial next step. You know, they said, okay, this challenge that Jesus has left for us, this mission that he's given us is a big one, but today we can take this next step. And, and they found a replacement in leadership for Judas. And then last week, Zach did a great job of, of teaching us and talking to us about the reinforcements that, that Jesus promised and the, the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost and, and the church literally being born on that day. And thousands and thousands of people responded to, to Peter's message and they saw the power of the Spirit and they, they heard the message in their own language, this miraculous beginning to the church where thousands of people respond and the church is born, all because of the reinforcements that Jesus promised. He shows up, the Holy Spirit shows up, and the church is born. And then the church, thousands strong at this point, is left with that same one mission. And it's got to decide, how will we keep going? What will we do? We can absolutely continue finishing the mission that Jesus left for his church. And I think that in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, God's word teaches us four imperatives that we have to pay attention to, that we have to live out in our lives as individuals and as a team if we want to continue to finish the mission, the one job that Jesus left for his church to do. If we want to finish strong, we need to pay attention to these four imperatives in uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them to the second chapter of the book of Acts. We're going to take a look at verses 42 to 47 this morning in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42, uh, this is what God's Word says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread into prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being Four imperatives that are taught here in, in Acts chapter 2 as we consider how we can continue to finish the mission that Jesus left 
for his church. Imperative number one is to devote them, yourselves to the right things. Devote yourselves to the right things. Verse 42 uh, says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They. Well, who's they in this, in this verse? It's, it's that group of, of followers that has grown from, you know, 11 or 120 perhaps that, were, that was on the side of the mountain and, and sort of fearfully huddled in that upper room waiting for reinforcements and taking those initial next steps. And it grew from 120 on the day of Pentecost and the birth of the church to over 3,000, thousands and thousands. And so now the church, thousands strong, has to decide how will we continue to carry out this mission that Jesus left us. When you think where Zach left us last week with the, the birth of the church and this miraculous powerful beginning that the church saw, you know, tongues of fire, Scripture describes, and this wind that, that rushed through, and the Holy Spirit coming, and then the crowd of people from all around the world who heard Peter's message in their own language. They understood what he was saying, and this miraculous, powerful beginning of the church, and you think, okay, well, what's next? What will the early church do to continue this powerful beginning, this this miraculous beginning, there has to be some big miracle, some big powerful statement that is made by the early church. And the first thing that's imperative to the early church that we read in verse 42 is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Now, some of you might read that list. And in fact, when I read that list and I think, well, what have we been talking about? And, you know, if you grew up in the church and you remember going to Sunday school when you were nine years old, what kinds of stuff did you talk about in Sunday school when you were nine years old? At some point in time in that Sunday school class as a nine-year-old, you know, the teacher said, okay, hey, everybody fold your hands, right, because we're going to pray. Praying is important. And at some point in time in that Sunday school class as a 9-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 7-year-old, you know, the teacher said, okay, open your Bibles. And maybe, maybe you were at an age where they went around uh, to each one and helped you find the story in your Bible that you carried and maybe you got a sticker for bringing to class, right? You remember those days? And they said, okay, we're going to read this story and we're going to learn what Jesus wants us to do because studying the Bible is important. And oh, by the way, you got these stickers, you get these stars for bringing your Bible, or maybe you brought an offering for the missionary, or you got a sticker just for showing up. Because being here and living with one another, fellowship is important. We're going to worship together, we're going to sing songs, we're going to break bread together. You know, the point is that since you were six years old and went to Sunday school, grandma took you to Sunday school, if you've grown up in the church like that, you've heard these things. This, this miraculous beginning of the church continues in the mission that Jesus left for it. This big job of sharing his story with the world, the entire world begins with these really simple tasks. These very basic fundamental things. You know, if you come to our, a closer look class here at Wallula Christian Church, it's a class that we, we teach so folks can learn about membership, they can learn about why Wallula Christian Church looks the way she does, and why we do the things we do, and, and it, its job is to just say, these are the basics. 
This is, what, this is what makes us who we are. And so we'll talk about six things that we believe Jesus wants his followers to do. We'll talk about, we believe that his followers should study God's word. When you read in verse 42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, when we say we're, we want to devote ourselves to studying God's word, we're saying we want to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. The New Testament, we're reading the apostles' teaching. We're studying that, the, the same thing the early church devoted themselves to studying. We'll, we'll say, we want to live at the, in that closer look class, we'll say that Jesus wants his followers to live in biblical community. We'll talk about the importance of finding opportunities to study the apostles teaching God's word together, to praying together, and playing together. We think all of those things are important to doing life together. And so we, we think the, the New Testament teaches that as biblical community. It's what uh, verse 42 refers to as fellowship. You know, we want to do life together. We want to study together and pray together and play together. We want to be involved and build relationships with one another. We'll say we want, we want to devote ourselves to worship at Wallula Christian Church, and Jesus wants his followers to be about worship. Well, it's what uh, verse 42 describes as breaking of bread. This, earlier this morning, we broke bread together. We celebrated communion together. We remembered Jesus' sacrifice together, and we'll continue through the study of his word and uh, worship through song. We'll continue to worship together. And we'll talk about that the fact in that Closer Look class that uh, Jesus expects his followers to pray, and we'll talk about our small groups as being uh, awesome opportunities to pray corporately together in those small groups, and, and we pray together in worship services that prayer is an important part of following Jesus. And We'll, we'll talk about the, the natural uh, outgrowths of those, of those four focuses are sharing the story of Jesus, reaching out to others and service to others, that if you devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, then you're going to find yourself wanting and desiring to serve others and to share the story of Jesus with others, that these six tasks are what followers of Jesus ought to do. And it's the same list that shows up at the very beginning of this church, this church that was founded and formed and shaped by this powerful, miraculous beginning, goes back to the basics. I'm a Kansas City Royals fan, and if you've paid attention to the Kansas City Royals season, you know that they're about to be eliminated from the playoffs. It doesn't look great, and that's largely due to the very worst July of a defending World Series champion in the history of baseball. They played so poorly in July that their record is the worst in history of a defending a World Series champion. They rebounded in August and had a fantastic August, one of the very best Augusts. They just sort of built such a deep hole in July. If you talk to experts and you read their opinions about the difference between July and August, they'll boil down to a couple of basic ideas. They'll basically say, well, in August, the Royals started to hit better and they started to pitch better. These basic ideas, you know, baseball's a pretty simple game. You throw it and you catch it and you hit it. And if you can do those things better than your opponent, you're probably going to win. And so all these experts boil down to the worst July in history to one of the best Augusts in history of a defending World Series champion to doing better at these very basic elements of the game. You know, the same thing's true in, in the church, huh? We, have, we serve a big God who we're going to talk about is doing some really amazing things through his church 
And how do we want to continue to be used by him? And how do we want to continue to see him work through his family and his team? Well, it's by devoting ourselves to these basic ideas of the apostles' teaching and breaking of bread and fellowship and prayer. Well, you say, okay, okay, that, that makes sense. But when I read about what the early church did in the book of Acts, and when I read about what the church looks like today, I think they look different. So why are they different, you might say. Lance, is God different today than he was in the book of Acts? And I'd say no. Our God is the same big, big God who created the world in six days, who, who brought Jesus into the world on that first Christmas day, who, who raised Jesus from the dead who started the church with, on that day of Pentecost through the Holy Spirit and the boldly proclaiming of his message. He's the same big God. And so what's the difference between the church today and the church in the book of Acts? I wonder if maybe it's, it's boiled down to that second word in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. That's a, that's a difficult word, isn't it? To devote ourselves to something. To really be serious about something. You see, because the church in, in our world today, our church, I don't think, has a knowledge problem. We have access to more information than ever before. We can do better Bible study. We, can do, we, we have access to archaeological finds. and uh, We have more information than we could ever hope for. You know, it reminds me a little bit of my diet. Believe it or not, I know that a salad is better for me than the pepperoni pizza. You know, the issue doesn't come down to knowledge, it comes down to devotion. Will I devote myself to making the wise choice? Well, the issue, the difference between the church today and the church in Acts chapter 2, perhaps, is not knowledge, it's not that God is different, it's not even... That, you know, we can have a theological discussion about whether God acts differently today than he did in Acts chapter 2. That might be kind of a fun discussion to have over a hot dog today at lunch. I don't know. You can find me. We'll have that conversation. But perhaps it really boils down to whether or not we're devoting ourselves to the right things. So much stuff requires or at least desires our attention in our world today? Are we devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching? Are we devoting ourselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer? Are we devoting ourselves to what God would want us and desires us to devote ourselves to? That's imperative number one. Imperative number two is to pay attention to what God is doing. Because when we devote ourselves to the right things, God is still active and he's still doing amazing things. Listen, listen to the early church's reaction to what God was doing in the book of Acts. In verse 43, it says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Everyone was, was filled with awe. They were amazed at what God was doing. And it's no wonder because when you read through the book of Acts, you can see God doing amazing things through his church and through the apostles. In Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter heals a man who, who couldn't walk before. 
You know, the apostle healed tons of different people. And in chapter 5, Philip is transported sort of miraculously from one spot to another as he, as he meets a, an Ethiopian on the road and shares the story of Jesus in Acts chapter 5. Saul's miraculously converted. He sees the risen Lord. He hears Jesus. And, and then he's blinded. And then Ananias heals his blindness. In Acts chapter uh, 10, 9 and following, Peter sees this vision in Acts chapter 10 and, and shares the story of Jesus with the Gentiles. He escapes from prison in chapter 12. It goes on and on and on as Peter and, 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 and Paul raise people from the dead. In Acts chapter 28, all the way to the end of Acts, uh, Acts in chapter 28, Paul is again miraculously sharing the story of Jesus and, and healing people. We see these amazing miracles all through the book of Acts. And so certainly there's reason for the early church to step back and to be in awe. But I have to tell you, there's reason for us to step back and be in awe of what God is doing because God is still at work through his church today. And we ought to celebrate what God is doing. On the, in the foyer, just through these center doors, on one of the walls, we have lined that wall with thank you cards from this group of elementary students that we, we help by providing you know, recess equipment and, and school supplies. And you might say, well, that's no big deal. Except as you read through those cards, it's already made an impact on those students' lives. It's made an impact on those uh, teachers' and staff lives in that school. And we've made a difference. We've helped resource them. God has resourced them through us and made a difference in their young lives already. God is doing some amazing things. When you think about the Third Thursday ministry here at Wallula, every third Thursday of the month, a group of volunteers here at Wallula Christian Church serves over 600 meals to under-resourced families in Leavenworth. Families that depend on that meal, not only for that day, but the meal they take with them for the next day. Making a huge difference in the lives of families in our community. Every Monday uh, evening and Tuesday morning, uh, volunteers from Wallula Christian Church staff the Leavenworth Shelter of, of Hope, and uh, they are able to provide a safe place for 50 different people, over 50 different people every month, to have a safe place to sleep. I uh, had a meeting about the, the shelter recently with some of the leadership there and, and learned that the youngest person last year to stay in the shelter was a six-month-old baby. And the oldest person to stay in the shelter was a 74-year-old man. So all different ages, all different backgrounds, that shelter is providing a safe place to, to, to sleep for hundreds of people throughout the year. What an amazing difference that God is making through the generosity of his people and their time and their effort and their resources. Student ministry just returned from another trip, and, and I know that, that students were impacted by that ministry and being exposed to a, a Bible college setting and the opportunity to, to maybe choose, maybe choose ministry as, as uh, their vocation in life and, and to make a difference in that way. Kids ministry uh, impacts families every week at, at jam and Sunday school and in so many different ways. Our weekday preschool fills a need in our community that would otherwise not have the opportunity to have that early education background for their kids. Our backpack uh, buddies ministry will begin again and, and several times a year we'll be able to provide you know, backpacks of food for kids who rely on 
the, you know, that reduced and free lunch and breakfast program at schools to, to be fed over the weekend as well. It was interesting meeting with a leader of that ministry, and she said, you know, I, I know we changed things in the, you know, the foyer the, where we used to store the stuff, and maybe, maybe we should just stop this ministry because there's no place to store it. I said, we talked about it, and no, that's, you know, that's not the point of why we did any of this, huh? The point wasn't to, to stop seeing how God might be working, but to make it more possible for God to work, huh? to, to continue on, to, to pay attention to what God was doing and to continue doing that. You know, the, we, we've talked about this embrace project and the, the, the building project and the remodel, and today is sort of a celebration of, of how you know, God has worked through that and what we hope he'll do in the future. And I, I was watching the video we produced at the very beginning of this when we said, hey, you know, if we want to do this, we're going to have to figure out how to pay for it, and we need everybody's help to do that. And we made a video, and people said, this is why it's important. And you remember doing a little research about that, and you look at Leavenworth and Wyandotte County, in Leavenworth County alone, there's over 100,000 people who, in the latest census, claim no spiritual affiliation at all. That's not some theologian, theologian or preacher saying, hey, these people belong to the wrong church. These people believe the wrong thing. That's people acknowledging spiritual stuff isn't important to me at all. So if, if you're a person who, who might rely on your relationship with Jesus and God's word to maybe make you know, those decisions that we might classify as a moral decision or a, an ethical decision or a life choice or whatever it is, and you rely on that relationship and God's word to, to make that decision, these are 100,000 people who are without any foundation to make that choice at all. If we believe what the New Testament teaches, that can't be okay with us. You know, John talked about the hope we have as, as followers of Jesus of being able to, to see, you know, loved ones and our friends again in heaven and that, that hope and promise of an eternity spent in the presence of God. If we believe that what Jesus says about that promise, if we believe that what the New Testament says about heaven and hell is really true, then there's no other way to understand the New Testament than 100,000 people in Leavenworth County are going to perish for eternity. If we believe that the New Testament is true, that can't be okay with us. That can't be all right. We, we need to pay attention to what God is doing, and we need to continue that mission, which is imperative number three, runs right behind that, to be generous. Verse 44 and 45 they all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. A couple of ideas are important here to me. The first one is that, that first word that all the believers were together. Uh, you know, the, this project reminds me all the time that what we are unable to do alone, we can do together. There wasn't one benefactor who said, hey, I can provide the resources to uh, allow this project. That didn't happen, right? Together. You know, God has resourced this project. When it's all of us, we, we are capable of doing more than, than we, we can alone. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. 
Now, I understand that one of the meanings in context here where they had everything in common is that they pooled their resources and were able to provide for those in need. And we certainly do that here at Wallula Christian Church. When you, when you hear about uh, John talking about the missions team and providing for the Enchaustegis in Mexico and, and Cooks and Hills and in Oklahoma and all the different missionaries that you'll hear about over the next month and, and how we're providing and helping that those ministries grow, well, that's because of your generosity. And we're pooling the resources that God has provided us with to be able to share with those ministries, to to share the story of Jesus better uh, around the world. Our helping ministry here at Wallula Christian Church that that provides some families in our community that that just can't make it through the end of the month, that that need help to do things like keep the heat on or the lights on or, or to have food to eat. The helping ministry is able to help meet some of those needs because we've pooled our resources together, because we have everything in common. But I can't help that as I think about this story of Jesus and that idea of everything in common, you know, I can't help but read those words and remember that, hey, we're all absolutely in the same boat. Each one of us, myself included, more than anyone else, in desperate need of a Savior. That all of this matters. All of this makes a difference because we need Jesus. And the folks in our community need a relationship with Jesus. And that not only if, if one choice or one, one path in life was slightly different, we might find ourselves outside of that saving relationship with Jesus, we could find ourselves in the same desperate need of those resources that we just talked about before. We have everything in common. They gave to everyone as they had need. We can continue to be generous as we pay attention to what God is doing, and we, continue to be, we can continue to be generous with our resources, with our talents, with our time. It's really imperative number four that the early church continued on. Look at, look at verses uh, 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Every day. They continued, and and then it's just sort of a a retelling of that list from verse 42. Every day they continued to be the church. They kept going. Had a meeting, I was talking to one of my friends in in Leavenworth, who serves in a church in Leavenworth, and he said, hey, have you heard the good news? And I said, "I, I, I guess not, what's going on? He said, I'm retiring after 40 plus years in ministry. I said, wow, that's pretty amazing. What are you going to do? He said, well, I'm going to continue to help uh, fundraise for the shelter. And I'm going to, he listed several other things. And and I thought, okay, it doesn't really sound like you're retiring from ministry, right? Well, that's not something we can do. As followers of Jesus, we don't retire from ministry. We, We have this obligation. We have this calling to continue on, to keep serving him, to continue until the mission is finished. The mission isn't finished until everyone has had the chance to hear, until Jesus returns. That's the, that's the end of the mission. And so until Jesus comes back, we have, the, we have the opportunity to continue to serve him more, to keep being the church, to praise God together, to celebrate everything that God has done here at Wallula Christian Church and that he will continue to do. Verse 47 says that, and the Lord added to their number daily. 
And the Lord added to their number daily. That's really why we started this project in the first place. So that we could share better the story of Jesus and so that others could hear that story and give in to the life-changing relationship that's available to them with God through Jesus. Take a look at this video that sort of highlights sort of the beginning and the end of this project. Well, it's so easy to describe that project. And the way I did just to introduce that video, hey, you see the beginning and the end, and, and I need you to hear me clearly that there's no end to this project. There's no end. The, the, the whole goal, the whole purpose was so that we could continue to share the story of Jesus. There's no end until he returns. And, and so we have to continue to serve him. We have to choose today if, if we will, just like the church in Acts, if we'll, if we'll decide on this day to, to devote ourselves to the most important things. If we'll continue to look for how God is at work and we'll celebrate what he's done and we'll, we'll continue to examine how we can be generous with our, our time and our resources and our talents to serve him better. That we'll continue on with that one job to be his witness, to share the difference that Jesus has made in our lives with those around us. There's no end. Let's be the church together.